Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's your host, DJ Hamilton, and welcome to another episode of the DJ Sports Show. If you haven't yet, check out my biggest article yet of my 75 greatest NBA players of all time, which exploded with over 240 views. Hope you guys liked it and continue to go check out the website. Become a member of the website. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. Um, continue to shout out the website as well. That was my biggest article yet. And I hope you guys continue to like the articles that I put out. Um, I'm going to leave the link to that article in my podcast description and also to my Novak Djokovic um, recent article that just came out two days ago um, as I'm recording this on Monday. Um, or I'm going to leave that in the description as well because I didn't get a chance to talk about it in this podcast like I thought I would because there's so much stuff to cover. But that's why I like having the website. So also I can talk about if I don't, ever, I don't cover my podcast, I could um, cover in the articles as well when I write them. So that's why I like having both so I can cover more material. Um, but in this podcast, we had a loaded one. We're going to talk about Ben Simmons, like an updated situation with him. Um, Paige Becker signing an NIL deal with StockX. Um, her teammate, Azzy Fudd, signing another NIL deal as well. Her second, the number one ranked incoming freshman, UConn basketball, a historic program, the best women's basketball program, probably in all of college basketball. Um, we're going to talk about some NFL, although Beckham to the Rams. The Rams continue to add on their power collection of talent um, after signing after getting um, Von Miller, one of the best defensive players in the league, from a trade just last week. And now they got Odell Beckham Jr., who could be another weapon in their passing attack um, as a number two, number three option on their offense in the passing game. Um, we're also going to get into should NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman be on the move um, after there's been reports that he's not really doing his best in the sexual assault scandal with the Blackhawks and the investigation. Um, Bryce Harper and Matt Guerrero Jr. winning the Hank Aaron Award in their respective leagues in the MLB. So congrats to them. Aaron Judge winning the Silver Slugger Award. And will he be a Yankee for the rest of his career? As he has stated that he would like to be with the Yankees for the rest of his career. I'm going to get into that as well. Um, what else? I feel like I'm missing some. I'm going to get into some NFL Week 10 results. Um, Aaron Rodgers' vaccination status. You know, that's like almost two weeks old. I have to talk about that. It's just, it's just hilarious. Um, we're going to get into that as well. And then, yeah, we're going to get into more stuff as well throughout the episode. And I hope you guys enjoy it. So without further ado, let's do it. I'm going to start off with basketball stuff first, and then maybe I'll get into football next, and then Novak Djokovic, and then baseball. But first, we're going to start off with basketball topics. So I'm going to get into UConn's Paige Beckers, the breakout freshman last season at UConn Huskies. The point guard has landed her first name, image, and likeness endorsement. The reigning Naismith Player of the Year. She swept every award basically last year. The AP Player of the Year, Naismith Player of the Year. 
freshman of the year. Like she, she was an outstanding. Any award that you could think of, she won. She won. Um, she's the first freshman woman to win the annual award since it began in 1976, the John Wooden Award. That is crazy. She has endorsement deal that she signed a multi-year partnership with footwear and apparel marketplace platform called StockX. Um, the centerpiece of StockX is upcoming focus on women's sports and basketball, according to a company spokesperson. I'm calling to Becker. She stated my partnership with StockX is about equity and authenticity. It's about product and love and about shining a light on all the creatives that drive culture. I'm here to celebrate them and together with StockX, invest in making sure women and women athletes are prioritized, elevated, and recognized for their style and their leadership. So StockX, I'm going to give you guys a little background on it, according to an ESPN article by Nick DePaula. Um, so it launched in 2016. It features more than 125,000 items across its marketplace and over 500 brands. The company has saw seen sales of totals totaling $1.8 billion in 2020 and up dramatically from $1 billion in 2019. In 2019, their sales of women's exclusive sneakers outpaced over a market by 80%, according to the company, with a growing number of high-value retro and lifestyle sneakers being worn by women in recent years. In April, StockX announced its latest round of funding, leading to a current valuation of $3.8 billion. Um, the terms of Becker's um, partnership were not disclosed. Um, but in addition to selling the court, Becker has has boasted over 914,000 followers on Instagram and 341,000 followers on TikTok, where she's often seen displaying her off-court style and outfits. Um, NCAA's new name, in, name, image, and likeness guidelines went into effect on July 1st, and it wasn't until July 12th that UConn's elect department outlined its NIL policy. State, the state of Connecticut has provided its own guidelines of allowable pass for collegiate athletes to earn money as of September 1st in the state's Public Act 21-132. Um, even though they must still wear Nike products in all official team activities and games, the Struce has long featured UConn as one of its premier elite NCAA schools. Um, so, yeah, in early August, Becker selected the Wasserman Agency um, and longtime leading WNBA agent Lindsay Kagawa Colas to represent her in all NIL negotiations leading to the multi-year StockX partnership. Um, during last spring's NCAA tournament, Open Doors had estimated Becker's NIL value at $382,000 per year. So she is getting generational wealth. That is crazy. And she's bound for the WNBA. She's projected to be, because for women's college basketball, is different. Those of you guys who don't know the rules, um, they don't allow one and done like they do for men's. Um, Woman, you got to stay until you're 22. So you either got to stay three or four years of college, depending on when you were born and what, yeah, basically when you were born and the calendar year of that, of that draft. So for her, unfortunately, she has to wait until she's 22. So she won't be 22 until 2023. So she has to wait two more years until she's eligible, where she's projected to be the top pick in that draft. And if she was able to enter early, she'd probably be the top pick. She probably would have entered the WNBA draft already because she is she's ready. <laughs> she is elite, ladies and gentlemen. Um, brands have long circle Beckers as a rising star who could be an impactful footwear endorser while in college and during her inevitable WNBA career as a future potential number one draft pick. There's widespread expectation around the industry that offering a signature shoe will be a necessary prerequisite to signing Beckers once she turns pro. In early August, she filed to officially trademark the phrase Page Buckets as part of the StockX deal. Beckers will also help design exclusive products for the platform's Dropbox portal for limited edition exclusive launches. These products could include third-party clothing brands or collaborators and could incorporate her Page Buckets nickname. 
Um, for Beckers, there will be an emphasis on community-driven initiatives and highlighting Black women and BIPOC creators and upcoming projects. She accepted the 2021 SB for Women's Collegiate Athlete of the Year. Damn, she just continues to win awards. Um, she thanked Black women specifically for their impact across the game of basketball and the culture of the sport. Um, StockX CMO Bari, um, let me see, Bari. I don't even know what his first name was, <laughs> but um, let me see. Now, Paige Beckers, I love how she is very inclusive of black people and how black people have impacted her over the years. Um, yeah, I can't find his name, so we're just gonna try to see. Let's go with it. So, stock SEMO Bowery added, Paige isn't afraid to stand up for what she believes in and speak out for change, which is perfectly aligned with our cultural values of remaining committed to what's right and building a legacy. We're excited to shine a light on this rising star and to be a partner to her as she continues to drive impact both on and off the court. For the entirety of the deal, backers will also be provided access to limited edition footwear and apparel from all brands available on the platform. In her first official photo shoot with StockX, she rotated between items such as Nike, New Balance, the Central's line from Adidas Associated, Jerry Lorenzo, and the OVO clothing line from the Nike and Jordan brand Associated, Drake. She expected to continue to wear a variety and diverse amount of brands throughout her collegiate career, off the court, leading to an eventual bidding war for exclusive footwear and apparel endorsement deals for her future brand partner as she turns pro in 2023. That was a lot to handle, but um, this is a big deal. Um, I think she she's not the first woman to do this, um, but this is definitely going to shift the standards for female athlete sports um, sponsorships, according to an article by Yahoo Sports' Contanjo Negley, and I think this is great. Um, we're continuing to see the sport grow. Uh, I think this is great for the women's game, and I just want to continue to see it grow. And a lot of college athletes have been benefiting off this NIL deal. As this is Paige Buckets, her first NIL deal. So, this is big time, man. Big, big time. Um, and then she's not the only one. As her teammate, Azzy Food, or Fud, I, I don't even know how to say her name. Um, and I, I'm saying as best as I can. So, bear with me. <laughs> bear with me. But Azzy Food, um, her team, Azzy Food, also signed. And now she was signing her second um, NIL deal with Sports Drink BioSteel. Um, where she'll be an ambassador and equity partner. Um, this is before even her first college game, as he has. She's the number one incoming freshman as well, number one ranked incoming freshman as well, the highly heralded, highly touted freshman, and she's getting all these deals. She has already signed two major name, image, and likeness deals on top of appearing in a commercial for TikTok. Last month, she became one of two college athletes to join Chipotle as an ambassador for Chipotle's Real Food for Real Athletes platform. And like I just stated on Wednesday, this past Wednesday, she only not only became an ambassador, but also an equity partner for Sports Drink BioSteel. She had this to say, stating, I'm so excited to join the BioSteel team. I'm really picky about the drinks I have and how I stay hydrated. And BioSteel is just something I've liked for a long time. When they reached out, I thought the opportunity was really cool and something I wanted to be involved with. Um, this is definitely a partnership, a first of its kind at the collegiate level. As an equity partner, um, FUD um, will receive shares of the company. Other BioSteel equity partners include professional athletes from various different sports, from Patrick Mahomes, quarterback for the Chiefs, Dallas Mavericks star guard Luka Doncic, a running Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott, um, star wide receiver of the Arizona Cardinals and DeAndre Hopkins, and cornerback of the stupid superstar cornerback of the Rams, um, Jalen Ramsey. Um, BioSteel CEO um, John Salenza stated, with Azzy after following her over the years, after seeing her work ethic, 
the story with her parents through the rehab with her knee injury, it seemed like a great fit. Um, I got to speak with Azzy and her parents and understand their vision. And they really linked up with ours and all our other athletes and what we really believe in. The, the um, financial details are not have not been disclosed of FUD's deal with Biosteel, but she also stated, quote, it's really cool, especially having athletes across different sports representing the brand. For someone like me who has always just been focused on basketball and watching the pros on the basketball side to see other athletes at the top of their game affiliated with Biosteel is really cool. Um, so, like I wanted to state before, there's been a lot of athletes cashing in on the new NIL um, rule since it went into effect July 1st, allowing athletes to profit from deals with third-party companies. This is very uncharted territory for several college athletes and a few high-profile high school athletes as well are taking advantage of this new opportunity, and I'm really loving what it's doing for these young, young athletes who are really relishing this opportunity. This thing keeps cutting me off. But, um, yeah, um, some of these top athletes that have been signing these big, big deals since they went into effect on July 1st, allowing athletes to really take a part of their name, image, likeness. His Alabama sophomore quarterback, superstar quarterback Bryce Young had signed close to a million dollars in his endorsement deal um, before the season started. One of the most famous high school basketball players in the country in the class 2023, a top 15 ranked guard and player in that class, Mikey Williams, signed a multi-million dollar shoe deal with Puma. Tennessee State basketball freshman Hersey Miller, the son of Master P, signed a $2 million endorsement deal with technology company Web Apps America. Um, for FUD and her teammates, the next four years is the prime time to cash in, as she stated. These are the kind of things and opportunities, which is sad when you really think about it, that we won't get to have as much as when we go pro. We are, we are in, the prime, in our prime right now. Her teammate Paige Beckers became the first freshman in women's college basketball history to win the Wooden Award and won every award she was eligible for last season, which include the AP Player of the Year and Naismith College Player of the Year. Um, FUD also stated, I think having the new NIL rule is an amazing opportunity, and I'm still kind of wrapping my head around everything that's ha- been happening for me, and not just me, but for my teammates and for everyone else that's getting deals. Gina Ariema, that has been the coach at UConn for 36 years, one of the greatest coaches of all time, arguably the greatest women's basketball coach of all time for the, in the women's game. And he, he, he's, he's one of the great, he's a Hall of Famer. And this is the first time he's had to deal with high-profile players bouncing not only school and basketball, but now different marketing opportunities from all these different companies. He's been really supportive of the new NIL thing for all of us, and he gets it. Um, according to FUD, she's also stated, I've gone in and talked to him about my deals and the people I've been talking to, and he thinks it's all great, just as long as it doesn't affect what's going on on the court. Um, Oriema said in an article from the UConn blog's Daniel Connolly in the summer, quote, the policy is very clear. I'm not involved. I'm not telling you don't sign with this person. Make sure you sign with that person. I just made a simple request before you get into any agreement. You probably should run it by me or compliance just to make sure that what you are signing is copacetic with what is allowed. Which is this, which does make sense. You want him to, because yes, you're allowed to make money off your name, but there's certain things they said in the rules. I forgot what it was when I, I did a podcast on it. I forgot what episode, but they did. I did go over the rules. Like, yes, you're allowed to make money off your name, but there's certain things you're still not allowed to do. But it's still a step in the right direction. Something NCA should have done decades ago. You know how much money Zion Williamson could have made in his one year at Duke in 2018-19? Oh Lord, what? Reggie Bush went to USC for college football. One of the greatest college football players of all time, arguably top ten, probably top ten. Honestly, they took away all his stats because he was getting money. I forgot what it was, but they took away wiped away all his stats and records. They should they should reinstate all those stats back now that they're allowing this. I just don't I think they should do that. Even he said touche. 
Um, but the Huskies are ranked number two entering the season, surprisingly, behind South Carolina. Their first game is Sunday against Arkansas, and many have high expectations for Beckers and FUD for the next and FUD the next three years. Well, players were the number one ranked players coming out of high school, so they're they're expected to be superstars on the next level. They are best friends and have been waiting to play together at the highest collegiate level for a long time. Um, FUD stated about um, playing with Paige, I'm super excited to hit the court with Paige. I've used that word so many times, and I think it's downplaying it at this point. I'm really looking forward to winning and having fun and just enjoy every game and every step that we have together. As the NIO rules continues to take off and really skyrocket, perhaps we'll get to see fans packed at Harry Oak Gamble Pavilion wearing AZ35 sweatshirts. I'm dead. <laughs> so, yeah, man. FUD's own, that's our own, FUD's own apparel line. As Paige Buggins has her own apparel line with t-shirts once her clothing line launches. So this is, it's been a long time coming for college athletes to finally take advantage of their marketability and have complete control of their off-court initiatives and own money. Fudd has a full four years at UConn and could potentially make a few million of dollars, millions of dollars if she continues to play at a high level and elevate her game on the collegiate level before she ever steps foot on WNBA court in the next few years. So this is this is a big step for the NCAA. And I think these two uh, these two amazing um women athletes, female athletes right here, are gonna continue to push the envelope for women sponsorships and women deals, and they're gonna continue to raise the bar. So shout out to Paige Beckers and Azzy Fudd. And I, I hope you guys have a great season. And NCA, shout out to you for finally doing something you should have done decades ago. Like, honestly. And, yeah, this is a big, big step. And this is continuing to grow and grow. Even high school athletes can make money off their name. And they'll still be eligible to play college basketball. Because in the past, if you wanted to do that, you couldn't go play college basketball. Say LaMelo Ball, remember? I don't know if you guys remember. LaMelo Ball was making money from the big baller brand. He was making money. Then he wasn't. Then his eligibility for college to play at UCLA was gone. He was gonna go to college, but then he had to go the European route. Ended up playing in the JBL. He played in the N. Playing the I forgot what other league it was. JBA, and then eventually he went to the NBL. When he went to the NBL, once he grew to like six seven, Melo Ball, I said, "Yo, this guy can be a stud." And now look what he's doing in the league. But it shows you that not everybody needs college. But they should have done this a long time ago. So shout out to NCA for finally do this. And Paige Beckers and Azzy Fudd continue to push the envelope, continue to push the measures of greatness. Now let's get into some NBA news. As been reported recently, just yesterday, um, by Sixer star Ben Simmons agent Rich Paul believes the franchise is worsening his mental health situation with fines and suspensions. As we're now three weeks into the 2021-22 NBA season, Simmons has yet to play for the Sixers. He has threatened to hold out and requesting a trade for Philadelphia over the summer. The 25-year-old did eventually report to training camp, albeit two weeks late. He has been not, not been playing for the team, as he has stated he's not mentally ready in regard to laying his return to the court. The drama has been constant between both parties in a Simmons and Sixers standoff, with leaks from both parties only worsening the situation. And on Thursday night, the Athletics NBA insider Sham Serena had more on the situation from his exclusive with Simmons agent Rich Paul. Um, in the exclusive with Athletics Arena, he shared that the franchise's recent tactics that are geared towards helping Simmons return to action is only worsening the star's mental health. This comes a week after the franchise have reportedly fined the point guard three hundred sixty thousand dollars, um, his game check for missing the team's home game against the Detroit Pistons and failing to quote cooperate with team physicians on his mental health issues and fulfill other basketball related obligations. 
And that's probably the money. That's why he's stating that. <laughs> oh, man. He, he, they just, it's just not going to work. We're, let me just get into the rest before I state my opinion. Uh, quote, um, he also stated, quote, I truly believe, um, Clutchport CEO Rich Paul stated, I truly believe the fines, the targeting, the negative publicity shine on the issue. Um, that's very unnecessary and has furthered the mental health issues for Ben. Either you help Ben or come out and say he's lying. Which one is it? And this is just, and this was on Twitter as well. The $360,000 fine was the first that the team levied after Simmons shared his issues regarding mental health back on October 22nd. And then prior to that, Simmons incurred nearing $2 million in fines for reporting late to camp and his limited basketball activity. Um, his agent also stated, quote, this is no longer about a trade. This is about finding a place um, where we can help Ben get back to his mental strength and get back on the floor. I want him on the floor playing a game that he loves. I want Ben on the floor, whether that's in a Sixers uniform or any other uniform that's not up to me. But I want him in a state where he could resume play. We want to cooperate and want to work him back on the floor. Um, so the Sixers, the report includes a response from the Sixers team official denying Paul's accusation that the franchise is forcing him to return or accusing him of lying. The team is suggesting that short of a doctor's evaluation clearing he can't play as they expect him to ramp up to return. The franchise also um, maintains that they have been supportive of Simmons' mental health concerns and have shown good faith with not only releasing to Simmons the $8.25 million they withheld in escrow on October 19th, but also providing him with specialists um, to treat his back injury and mental health assistance as needed. And to this day, the team shares that they have yet to receive any information from the team therapist on Simmons or Simmons personal specialists that will declare him not ready to play. Paul also had a response to this as well, stating he's not there yet. How can a doctor who has only met with Ben once say Ben is mentally ready to play? So we do keep digging on him or help him. Now that we understand that reluctance from Ben it all makes sense. There was a shying away from it. If Ben has repeatedly shown behavior that entails he isn't mentally ready to play, embrace him, support him. We have to remove our ego from it. We all have to take responsibility. I don't know what comes next. As it was Sharena um, reported that Ben, um, I mean, Simmons met with the team Sixers mental health specialist back on Monday with more meetings scheduled to take place. The former rookie of the year has allowed for the team specialist to speak with his personal therapist and work in unison to help him find a path back onto the basketball court. Um, with the situation continuing to escalate and get more and more controversial, there could be more updates to follow leading the Simmons potential return to the court in Philadelphia as we continue to stay tuned and locked in on more updates around the situation. Um, this, is a, this is one of the most controversial situations I've ever seen in my life in all sports. This is crazy. This is from... A guy who they bat awful in the playoffs as too scared to own it, not get, not look in the mirror and say, I got to get better. And it's causing all this drama, all this drama and the mental health stuff. He never stated this before. He never did. I get that. I don't want to. Mental health is a very serious issue that we should all take serious. And Ben needs to take time to get better. That's great. But I feel like he's doing all this on purpose. If he was on any other team, he's playing right now. And it's saying all all this other stuff is hurting his mental health. What, because they're taking your money because you're not playing? Like, come on, bro. If they weren't taking his money, I don't think he would have came out with that, honestly. I honestly believe that. Like, you're obligated to be there, but you're saying it's hurting your mental health because you're taking away money from you when you're... It's in your contract. Like, come on, man. Come on, man. And then Ben Simmons also... Like, bro, I know you don't want to play for Philly, but... 
sometimes you just gotta suck it up, even though they're gonna boo the hell out of you, whether you come back or not. If you're on their team or on an opposing team, once you play on the road there, either way, you're gonna play there eventually. You're gonna get booed. So, either way, man, I don't know. I really don't know anymore. The situation, I honestly, in my estimation, in my humble belief, I don't think he's going to play for the Sixers this season. Honestly, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be shocked, like shocked out my pants if he does. There's no way. If Ben Simmons suits up for the Sixers this season, my mouth is going to, my jaw is going to drop. I'll be, and I, if he does, I can't wait to see what that Philly crowd's reaction. They're, oh my goodness. All this controversy he has caused oh my goodness this is crazy and despite that and they're out with Joel Embiid who's been out with um COVID protocols sadly but surprisingly they've still been one of the top four best teams in the east they're like at the top of the east conference right now or I think they dropped a few games so they're like third now because the Wizards are like first I think right now but um at one point they were the first seed in the east which is big big time so yeah this Ben Simmons situation is only continuing to escalate um but Hopefully, they can find a trade for him. It's going to be very hard because he still has so many years left on his contract. And it's very hard to trade him. No team wants to just um, trade, um, give up so many assets for Ben Simmons as he has a lot of money left on his contract and a lot of years left. So, it's hard to bounce out the salaries and the salary cap. But um, we'll continue to see what happens as the situation goes on and ultimately what happens in the future. So, continuing with more NBA news. In a report last week by Yahoo Sports, Chris Haynes on November 6th. Um, Trailblazers president Neil O'Shea and the GM of the team, I believe, illegally created toxic workplace with bullying and intimidation. And this came just after I released my episode where I talked about Robert Sarver doing the same thing over the last 15, 16 years in Phoenix. So the Portland Trailblazers opened up an investigation into Neil O'Shea um, as, been, as he has been illegally clearing a um running a toxic, hostile work environment where staff members have been subjected to intimidation and profanity, laced tirades, among other bullying tactics, the leaked sources told Yahoo Sports. The organization enlisted the services of old Melveni and Myers to run an independent investigation, and the firm began interviewing employees at the team's front office site this week, with several staffers expressing release because of the investigation after 10 years of mistreatment, leading to mental and physical stress, um, sources said. O'Shea, who's 56, was hired by the franchise in 2012, where he, um, over his decade as a top basketball decision maker, where he selected Damian Lillard, who's been um, their best pick in how, in probably arguably franchise history, since Bill Walton and Clyde Jackson, definitely. Um, multiple employees assert they have had multiple grievances with his treatment of staff in the workplace. Um, furthermore, several staff members raised concerns with the organization's lead mishandling of the situation when um, video coordinator Zach Cooper died in April 2020. Um, the firm is expected to submit its findings to team owner Jody Allen shortly, and the decision on his future will be determined soon after. Most staff members are hopeful that the investigation brings change after feeling voiceless and unheard for so long. And on November 6, the Blazers stated organization stated um, the Portland Trail Blazers organization was recently notified on so it was this was on Twitter. I was recently notified of concerns around workplace environment by non-player personnel at the practice facility. In response, we immediately engaged O'Melveny and Myers, an outside firm with significant expertise in this area, to conduct a full, fair, and independent review into these concerns and will take appropriate action based on this outcome. While we cannot comment on this pending matter, we are committed to continuing to build an organization that positively imp- impacts our colleagues, communities, and the world in which we live and play.
So this is this is a big thing. Um, and then just today, um, amid the investigation to O'Shea, the Portland Trailblazers announced Friday that the president, Chris McGowan of the Blazers, is resigning starting November 26th. I think that's Black Friday. Um, Chris Haynes of Ohio Sports first reported the news. And this just came up a few minutes ago on my notifications. And Dwayne Hankins, um, who has been in Portland for nine seasons, will be promoted to team president after serving as the executive vice president for the past two seasons. Um, so this is this is something this is concerning. If you're a Damian Lillard, after saying you do not want to get traded, that you're not going to leave the Portland Trailblazers, you're not going to fold to go to some other team or ask for a trade to like a Philadelphia or some other team like that, or the Clippers, somewhere like that, the Knicks. This is very concerning if I'm Damian Lillard. You have a lot of things going on in the front office. Um, let me see their record, because I don't believe they have the best record in the West right now. Yeah, and they've been kind of, eh, in the standings. Let me see their record right now. So the Blazers are 10th in the West. They're below 500. They're 5-7 and seven right now. Um, I feel bad for Damian Lillard. You have a lot of stuff going on for your front office, and your team isn't playing the best basketball right now. You guys are only one game ahead of the Thunder, who are one of the worst teams in the league. You're 10th in the West. You're behind the Kings. You're behind the Grizzlies, the Lakers, Clippers. You're not even in the top eight seeds in the West right now. Um, the Grizzlies have really dropped, too, at 6-5. and five, But if I'm naming a little, I'm definitely concerned, as there's a lot of stuff going on in Portland. Um. And with all those trade rumors that have been going on since the summer, will he ever change his mind? He has posted a lot of stuff on social media that he won't change his mind and other indirect sayings that obviously show that he's not going to fold and ask for a trade and want out of Portland. But with these things coming up, maybe he might change his mind. Maybe he might want to go to Philly or something like that. As him and CJ McCollum are a great duo, but it's, they're both small, undersized. CJ McCollum's an undersized shooting guard. Um, that's not really gonna work if you want to win a championship, and it has it has shown. Um, but let's get into some of the standings, updated standings like I do usually every episode. So in the East, we got the Wizards at the top. The Bulls and Wizards are top at right now, top two, eight and three. Nets are eight and four. They have really gone on a wing streak, rising up in the standings. Last time I think they were like number eight or nine when I last did it. Sixers have fallen to the fourth seed after a few losses. Cavaliers are seven and five. Um, they have the, uh, the fifth seed right now in the East. Um, he have dropped. Um, the seven and five, and they're six right now in the East. The Knicks are seventh. Um, eighth, you got the Raptors, seven and six. Scotty Barnes has been a impressive rookie for the Raptors, and same goes to Evan Mobley for the Cavaliers. The Cavaliers are not in the spot right now. Um, at the fifth seed, if Evan Mobley's not on that team, Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes have been the two best rookies by far. This season so far. Um, ninth are the Bucks. Bucks have been dealing with a lot of injuries, but they've been playing a little bit better the last two games I saw them against the Knicks and the Sixers. I was watching Giannis with Drew Holiday returning. Giannis and Drew Holiday have really been picking it up for the Bucks. Hornets are 10th at 6 and 7. Hornets, maybe they're unpredictable. Some games they play with a lot of energy, some games they're getting blown out by 20. But Lamelo Ball has been a revelation ever since he came. Um, as the third overall pick in the twenty twenty draft last season, he has been. He's probably gonna make his first All Star game this season. But if he could get his team more wins and into the playoff hunt, and continue to put up great numbers, he definitely um could rise up in the maybe even make All NBA team, All NBA third team. I wouldn't be shocked. 
if he continues to put up good numbers and his team is winning, they could rise up in the standings. Don't be shocked. I said it here first. He can make NBA, his first NBA team this season, not just as a first All-Star team, which I think he's pretty much a lot to make as long as he stays healthy. Celtics have been a big disappointment, 5-6, and 11-seed in North East Conference, but ever since Marcus Smart called out Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they've been picking it up just a little bit as they're still under 500. The Hawks, to me, are the biggest disappointment in the Eastern Conference as they are the 13th seed after making the Eastern Conference Finals last season. They are now near the bottom of the Eastern Conference as Trey Young and the Hawks have really been struggling to get their mojo going. So that's the Eastern Conference for you. As we all know, the Magic and Pistons were going to be among the worst teams in the East. So that's the Eastern Conference for you guys. So that's the Eastern Conference standings. Now let's go to the West. The Warriors have been... Killing it. 10 and 1. 10 and 1. Um, Suns are second. They're looking like a better team. 7 and 3. Um, Jazz, 8 and 4. Third seed. Um, 4. You got the Mavericks at 7 and 4. Luka Doncic leading the Mavericks, leading the way without a real true second co star that he can rely on night in and night out. Sorry, Porzingis. Um, fifth seed, you got the Nuggets. Nahoy Jokic. Nuggets have been a little bit disappointing, but they're out. Mike Porter Jr. and also, you read out um, Jamal Murray. Six, you got the Clippers. Paul George has really been leading the Clippers. To give him his kudos and respect that he deserves, all you Paul George haters out there. He is balling the hell out right now. Lakers have been disappointing. Um, my most disappointing teams in the West have been the Lakers and the Blazers. Lakers are 7-5. and five. They're seventh seed in the West right now. Um, they could quickly rise up the standings, though, with a win streak. But right now, they're seventh in the West. Grizzlies have kind of cooled off after a hot start. They're six and five, despite John Morant's hot um, play throughout the season, as he's an MVP candidate. Um, he won't win MVP though with the at eighth seed, unless the Grizzlies ride us up to like a top four, three seed in the West. Um, if he does, if he does that and continues to, to do what he's doing, been doing all season, he could be a legitimate MVP candidate. The Kings are ninth at five and seven. I expect them to be a play-in tournament team at least, or a low seed in the playoffs. So. I, I expect that. Um, Timberwolves are disappointing to me as well. You have all this talent. You have Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, and Carl Anthony Towns. Jaden McDaniels is a solid defender and 3 and D guy who's getting better. The second year forward, he's getting better every single season. Um, no, I think he's third year, I think. He's second or third year, I forgot. But um, they're 3 and 7. They always seem to start off good the first three games of the season, and then they plummet into a losing streak. I've been seeing that pattern for the last three years, three, four seasons now. And they look like they're not going to make the postseason or even a playing tournament, which is pretty sad for a team that has so much talent. Conley Towns and Anthony Edwards are star players in this league. Conley Towns is one of the best bigs in this league. I feel like he's wasting his prime on this Timberwolves team. And if they don't make the playoffs this season, he's already stated his frustrations with the franchise before the season even started. He wants to win. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he asked for a trade like Anthony Davis did when he was in New Orleans when they weren't winning, missing the postseason. You're wasting your prime, bro. And Carlton Towns is 26 now. He's not that... He's young, but he's not that young just coming into the lead player anymore. He's not 22, 21 years old. Still has so many years. Yes, he still has so many years in his career, but his prime... He's in his prime right now. Like, he wants to win. He's only been to the postseason once and played five career postseason games where he wasn't that great in 2018 against the Rockets. And Anthony Edwards, he's still very young. He still has time. He's 20. But for Cat, for his purpose and his legacy, for his accolades, if he wants to make more NBA teams, all-star and all that, you, you got to win, bro. You got to win. Unless you're putting up fit like 30 and 10. 
Like, yo. So, I'm, I don't know. Timberwolves have definitely... Timberwolves and Lakers and Blazers have been my three most disappointing teams in the West. Pelicans, I can't say, are most disappointing because Zion hasn't played. And Brandon Ingram's been out. They have their two best players out. So, I'm not shocked they're at the bottom of the Western Conference at 1-11. And then the Rockets are 1-10. I expected the Rockets to be awful. They're one of the young. They're I think the youngest team in the in the league. Rockets and uh, the Thunder are the two youngest teams in the league, if I'm not mistaken. So, there's a lot of. So those are my three most disappointing teams in the West and in the East. Like I said, the Hawks have been Hawks and Celtics have been disappointing. I'm not saying the Bucks because they've been dealing with a lot of injuries and Chris Middleton, their second best player, has been out due to COVID protocols. So if they weren't injured and they were ninth seed, then I would say the Bucks. But they've been dealing with a lot of injuries and COVID stuff. So I'm holding off on them. So the Hawks have definitely been one of my biggest disappointments. I expected this team to be at least a top five seed. They're four and eight right now. They're well below 500. Like, what happened? Was it a fluke that they made to these conference finals because of injuries? Like, what happened? They have the same crew around them. DeAndre Hunter's healthy. Kevin Herter's playing. Clint Capella's healthy. Trey Young's there, their best player. So hopefully they get their much together, and we'll see what happens as the season continues to go on. Well, that's some basketball for you guys, but I still got, coming back from the break, I still got one more basketball thing I want to talk about. Scottie Pippen's tirade on Michael Jordan over the last dance in his new book called Unguarded that came out this past Monday. We're going to get into that after the break. Then, um, what's it called? Uh, I'm also going to get into some NFL, Doug Beckham Jr. I'm getting traded to the Rams as they have probably the favorite to win the championship, honestly. They have all the talent now, honestly. They really do. Um, they picked up Von Miller in a trade just like last week. or Yeah, this last week. I had I recorded that podcast last week. And now they got Odell Beckham Jr. He might not be a number one wide receiver, but they got other wide receiver weapons. With Cooper Cup, Deshaun Jackson, now you got Odell Beckham Jr. That offense, you got guys to take pressure off him. He doesn't have to be the main wide receiver. They're going to have to get distracted by those guys like Deshaun Jackson, Cooper Cup in the out in the outfield. This is going to be dangerous. Um, and uh, maybe some Aaron Rodgers as well, his vaccine. That happened last week. I might talk about that, even though it's like a week, week and a half old. I still might talk about it. I think it's interesting. And then we're going to get into some baseball and then a little bit some hockey with Gary Bettman. Should he leave as a commissioner? But coming back as we all come back from the break before that, we'll take a quick break. So don't go anywhere. love our house. Been here for years. Yeah, but there's an animal in the attic. At least Geico makes bundling our home and car insurance easy. We save a lot. For bundling made easy, go to geico.com. If you liked this video, please share it. And for more great Geico videos, hit the subscribe button. He's been practicing a lot lately. Okay, Sabrina, I see you. Where do you want this at, Chris? Wait, what? Is this one of your State Farm commercials? Yeah, sure is. Jake from State Farm? Did they not send you all the scripts? No. No. 
Chris smiles and says, wild love, State Farm's surprisingly great rates. Then suddenly his body turns into a basketball. <laughs> Come on, this stuff is... Chris? Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So now let's get into Scottie Pippen and his tirade on Michael Jordan over the last... <laughs> since the last dance pretty much came out. Um, so Scottie Pippen continues his tirade against Michael Jordan by questioning the flu game. Former Chicago Bulls star is good at selling books. <laughs> An article by Yahoo Sports. <laughs> oh, my God. He continued his tirade on Michael Jordan on Monday. And he even spoke with Michael Strahan um, on Good Morning America. Um, Pippen was asked about playing through a back injury during the 98 finals against the Utah Jazz. And Pippen said he would not have played if the series went to um, game seven due to a herniated disc. Um, he even qu- and it was questioning if Michael Jordan's food game was that impressive. The Bulls won the series in six games, making that a non-issue. Conversation then turned to Jordan's flu game, uh, as he was asked by Michael Strahan. Um, Pippen made a direct comparison between the two ailments, saying, "I don't see many bad back games, but I do say I do see flu games. Flu, come on," he said. This is crazy, and this was no, this was by um Sirius XM NBA Radio, excuse me, but he did interview with Michael Strahan talking about. Um, that as well on Good Morning America earlier this week. Pippen gutted out the back injury during the 98 finals. As you guys, those of you who watched the last dance saw, um, during the first four games of the series, he averaged 20 points. In the final two games, he f- that figure fell to seven points. He played 45 minutes in game five, but his playing time dropped to 25 in game six as a sign of his back was hurting. Jordan's flu game came a year earlier in game six of the 97 finals, which also came against the Jazz, where Jordan scored 38 points to lead the Bulls to a win. And Jordan had to be carried off the court by Pippen. Jordan later said playing through the flu was probably the most difficult thing he'd ever done in his career. Um, Guy Pippen continues to take aim at Michael Jordan. Pippen's comments shouldn't come as a surprise as he started going on the attack in June, taking aim at Kevin Durant, Doc Rivers, and Ben Simmons. And he also ripped former Bulls coach Phil Jackson, calling him a racist um, in the in his book on Guarded because he gave Tony Kukoc that last shot in the controversial and highly documented 1994 playoff series against the Knicks. Jordan wasn't spared from that criticism as Pippen questioned Jordan's antics in that interview, suggesting Jordan played things up for the cameras. He also took Jordan to task over the last dance, saying Jordan made the program all about him. He also stated how Jordan was a selfish player, and how, for the most part, everything was mostly about him. Um, his new book was released this past Tuesday, so Pippen can take a break from the... <laughs> Pippen has been going off lately, ladies and gentlemen. Over like the last year... He has been going off like he's not holding back any mercy for anybody. And Stephen A. Smith said uh, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen may never be friends again. As Stephen A. Smith, he's rarely close friends with Michael Jordan. So if he says this, it's most likely true. He's very close with Michael Jordan. Um, It stated that they may never be friends again after Pippen even admitted in his book that he regrets not giving Jordan condolences after his father was tragically murdered in 1993. When I found that out, I was like, damn, Scotty, you really didn't you really didn't tell Michael Jordan, like, yo, I'm sorry for your father's loss. I give my condolences. Like, bro, come on, man. That's just human decency right there. That's just come on, man. Like, I I, I think that was messed up. I I need to get this book. I don't know if I'm gonna purchase it myself or wait to ask someone to get it for me for Christmas. I think I'm gonna wait for Christmas. But um, yeah, I, I gotta read this book. There's some books out there that I'm really looking forward to getting and reading. The Will Smith book. The Scotty Pippen Unguarded book and Kevin Garnett's book that came out earlier this year, KG A to Z, a story on his life and his career 
on and off the court in NBA. These are three books I can't wait to purchase and read. And I still got to finish my Jim Gray Goats book. These are all fascinating books that I really think you guys should all read, especially if you're into sports. These are all fascinating, iconic athletes and in Jim Gray's case, a broadcaster. Man, so ESPN Stephen A. Smith is one of the few media members who actually has a relationship with Jordan, like I stated. And after the expert of Pippen's memoir, and when she talked about not offering condolences to Jordan, came out. So Smith even went on first take his show that he hosts from Monday to Fridays. Um, and Bowley stated that the Bulls icons may never be friends again. He said it's over between Jordan and Pippen after what the latter revealed in his book about the former father's passing. And he spoke with Jordan on November 2nd. Um... And his father, like we, those of you who don't know, Michael Jordan's father, James Jordan, passed away after their first three-peat um, in 93. Um, so, in Stephen A. Smith even stated, quote, so you had year one without Jordan, year two. You had the three years you were with him for the second three-peat to express your condolences. You never did it. Michael Jordan never even thought about that until he saw it, it, and then he realized, wait a minute, you didn't give me condolences on purpose? I didn't even think about this. He's pipping cross the line him and jordan it's over taking it from me it's over that's that's crazy and to think all these years i thought michael jordan and pippen were tight like bro i thought they were tight off the court like i really did because they were dominant on the court but goes to show you what you see on cameras is always what you what what is true off the court as well when they're not on the camera or in front of the media it's crazy like i really thought these two were tight I knew Jordan and Barkley weren't friends anymore after Barkley criticized him as an owner of like in 06 or something like that. They haven't been friends since, but I thought him and his teammate Pippen were tight. Pippen takes a lot of shots at Jordan in his memoir in response to Jordan calling him selfish in the ESPN's Last Dance documentary for delaying a foot surgery that asked him and asked him to be traded in 1997 as Pippen fired back by calling MJ selfish as well. Man, this is a lot to take in. Um, that year without Jordan Pippen averaged 22 points, 8.7 rebounds, and 5.6 assists, showing his all-around magnificent play in 1993-94. He only he not only led the Bulls to 55 wins, but he also finished third in MVP voting and won the 1994 All-Star Game MVP. In his book, he also wrote, quote, For once, it was nice to win something of my own instead of watching Michael walk off with another trophy. That kind of sounds like some pettiness and jealousy right there. I think this guy, Pippen, I love Scottie Pippen. He was a tremendous player, but... And yes, maybe MJ may have been a selfish player, but man, he was one damn great player. He's arguably, he's universally by most people real, um, noticed as the greatest basketball player to ever touch a basketball by most people. Um, it's been shocking to watch Pippen really bash Jordan ever since the last damn came out as you, you would think a guy that won six championships and became a global icon in the 90s and has been a celebrity ever since and known by many around the world would have embraced those times and years, but he just comes off as really like bitty and petty bitter and petty which is kind of very sad to me honestly like this was this is the when people talk about dynasties in sports they're pre- preeminently the most talked about dynasty in sports history because they were in the modern era with the 90s where you got the media and television covering it and there was more like they were really covering like you had the bill russell dynasty yes they won 11 championships but that was before the modern era and a lot of people that are alive now didn't really witness that so the Bulls dynasty is recognized as the best and most recognizable and most known dynasty of all time. Um, Pippen does kind of look bad, though. How do you not give the 
man, his condolences that when he tragically lost his father and you knew he lost his father and you didn't say, yo, MJ, yo, I'm sorry, man. I'm I'm really sorry for your loss. I, I'm here for you, man. Like, bro, come on, man. That's just human decency right there. Man, that's crazy. Like all these years, these years gone by, you never found in your heart to offer condolences. It's crazy. I guess this is really glaring. This is a book I gotta purchase. Like those three books I mentioned, I'm gonna get those books eventually and I'm gonna read all of them. All these guys are iconic figures in the entertainment, sports, or broadcast industry. Jim Gray, I already started reading it. I have to finish it. I haven't read it in like two months. But, um, KG Pippen and, um, and, um, what's his name? Will Smith. Iconic figures whose books and biographies I want to read on their lives and their careers throughout their lives. On the court for Pippen and Garnett and off the court and then on the TV screen and in the movie industry with Will Smith and what he does and his other outside, um, endeavors. So, this is a lot to really take in with Scottie Pippen as I'm really shocked that he knew his father passed away and didn't give his condolences. Like, that's just human decency, bro. But, um, and Stephen A. Smith saying it's over. And the NBA 75 anniversaries this year, they're probably going to gather all the players that are still alive for the NBA 75 anniversary, all the great players like they did for the NBA 50. And then what's ironic, it's in Cleveland again for the 75th anniversary like it was for the 50th, which I think the NBA did on purpose. <laughs> like in 1997, it was in Cleveland. They had all the great players come on the podium and announce all the great players. I expect them to do that again for the 75th anniversary. And those are those who sadly passed away over the years, like Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, and all the other greats. They're probably going to invite their family members, one of their family members or two of their family members to come represent them in their honor. So, will Pippen and Jordan squash their beef at All-Star Weekend? Will they put that behind them? Will they mend the fences? I don't know. But it's really, this is really kind of sad, honestly. The two most dyna- the most dynamic duo we've ever seen in sports and the the most recognized and most glorified franchise and dynasty dynasty run, excuse me, that we've ever seen and the most covered. And that arguably the last dance was the best documentary ESPN has ever done. Um, like Stephen A. Smith said, um the only thing that could honestly rival it is the O. J. Simpson documentary thirty for thirty that ESPN did like ten years ago or twelve years ago, something like that. So, yeah, it's just very sad to see. Um, Scottie Pippen, I hope someone is there for him because he sounds like he's really bitter and he's just he's going through it in life. Like, he's really, like, going at MJ. Like, he he's jealous, everything. And I love Scottie. But some of the stuff he does say about MJ is true. MJ was kind of a selfish player. He did um, like to really have the ball a lot, score, get his. Get his. Scottie really did kind of take a back seat so MJ could do his thing. Scotty was as good a defender, if not better, than MJ defensively. I'm kind of shocked Scotty Pippen never won Defense Player of the Year in his career. He was that legit. He could literally guard every position. He was 6'9", long arms, big hands. He got stronger over the years where he got enough muscle to guard power forwards, like from the one through four. Like he literally could guard any position. He was quick on his feet, great feet, sliding his feet, great agility. He was a freak of nature. But on this coming off bitterness, it's not a good look, so... I hope someone really like gets the Scotty and just like just talk it out, man. Like, and I hope him and NJ mend the fences of their whatever beef they have and just c- come with a truce or peace. Cause if one of them 
when one when when they're one of them is gone before the other, they're gonna look back and be like, damn. Like why did we do that? Like why did we have beef with each other? Why not enjoy each other, embrace what we had, what we did, what we accomplished? I just don't want it to come to that point. So hopefully they mend the fences and come to a truce. So my last basketball thing I'm going to cover today, um, 12-year veteran John Wall has been active for the Rockets. Um, the former All-Star, as they seek a trade for the 12-year veteran, um, Wall and the Rockets aren't trying to seek a buyout as John Wall doesn't want to lose all his salary and money as he's owed $92 million over this and next season. He's owed $44.3 million this year and has a $47.4 million player um, option for next season, which you know he's for sure going to pick up. Who doesn't want that type of money? Um, so it's just a really like peculiar, odd situation going on in Houston. As John Wall's there, um, giving veteran advice to young um, guards such as Jalen Green, Josh Christopher, and Kevin Porter, trying to help them um, get more attributed to NBA life and see some nuances of what NBA defenses are going, bringing at them and what to do in practice and getting them better as individual players as well. And just giving the veteran advice. But I want to see John Wall... We haven't really seen him ball out in like three, four years as an all-star level player. It's been a long time since we've seen John Wall play at a star level in this league due to injuries and, or being on losing teams. Um, it's kind of sucks because I think he'll be the perfect fit for the Clippers. They need a point guard. They need a point guard who could really get into the rim. I love Reggie Jackson, but I think John Wall will be the perfect fit. And he pulled Reggie Jackson off the bench, gives you more depth off the bench for the Clippers. Oh, my God. And him and Paul George, I know, are tight. So, and they're both from the same draft class, 2010. So, I, I just, I, mean, I don't know. I think the Rockets and the Jean situation is just continuing to be weird and weird. Like, is this guy really going to sit out the whole season? He's not injured or anything. It's really just going to sit out the whole season just because he doesn't want to play for the Rockets as they're obviously rebuilding. They're the youngest team in the league. John Wall's in a whole different generation. He's like 10, 12, 13 years older than the guys that are on the team. He's in a different stage of his career, and he wants to win. He's never been out the second round in the playoffs in his whole career. So I don't blame him for not wanting to stay on the Rockets as they're nowhere near um, even playoff contention. They're in a whole rebuild with young, um, young players such as Jalen Green, who was the number two pick in this past year's draft. Um, Josh Christopher, Alperen Sangroon, their rook other rookies, Usman Garuba, and then second-year player um, Kevin Porter Jr. No, third-year player Kevin Porter Jr., but he's in his second year with the Rockets. Um, but, yeah, we'll see how this John Wall situation goes. Hopefully it gets resolved. And hopefully Wall could go to a winning team where he could ho finally get a chance to be on a contending team and hopefully capture an NBA title in his career because I don't want to see his career team go to waste. So now let's switch gears to some NFL. <clears throat> so Doug Beckham Jr. has agreed to a contract, a one-year contract with the Los Angeles Rams as he's going to bet on himself. The team announced on Thursday the free agent wide receiver joins a high-powered offense led by quarterback Matthew Stafford and adds to a depth chart at the position that already includes Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and Van Jefferson. I apologize for saying Sean Jackson, as I forgot, he's on now on the Raiders. <laughs> um, Beckham became a free agent when he cleared waivers on Tuesday after being released by the Cleveland Browns. After he, he, he pretty much stated to them that he was unhappy with their situation, how he's not giving the get they don't Baker Mayfield doesn't get the ball to him very often. And he struggles throwing accurate passes to him. Um, and then also, they're not really a contender like that. Um, the Chiefs, Packers, New Orleans Saints, New England Patriots, and Seattle Seahawks were among the teams um, that Beckham considered this week. Sources had told ESPN. 
Stafford said Thursday he has a lot of respect for Beckham, who he played with at the Pro Bowl. He lauded Beckham for being outstanding, both on the balls in the air and after the catch, and said he was excited to be able to work with him on, on the Rams. He stated, quote, it's an opportunity for us as a team. It's an opportunity for him to come in here and prove himself to us. What our team is about in the receiver room is pretty special. I know he'll fit right in and continue to get better and hopefully help us as a team. Um, he also stated how if Beckham wants to win, um, quote, that's what we're all about, and he was confident he'll be able to contribute. Everybody on our team carves out their role. They do a great job figuring out what that role is going to be and going out there and proving it both on the practice field and in games. And given the opportunity, I know he'll do the same. In Los Angeles, Beckham essentially replaces veteran wide receiver Sean Jackson, who was released after the trade deadline last week. Jackson signed with the Las Vegas Raiders this past week. Um, Beckham is the second high-profile player added by the Rams this month after just trading, literally, for star pass rusher Von Miller before the trade deadline last week. Miller welcomed Beckham to Los Angeles and on his Instagram story posting, let's chase this ring, family. And even Jalen Ramsey knew the deal was done even before they announced um, that he was coming to the Rams because he's he's cool with Odell Beckham. Beckham was also uh, welcome to L.A. by Lakers superstar LeBron James, one of his good friends who tweeted, welcome to L.A., my brother. It's go time. The Rams lead the NFL in total offense this season behind a potent passing attack led by Stafford, who was first in the NFL with 2,771 passing yards. Cup is the team's number one receiver and leads the NFL in receptions with 74, receiving yards 1,019, and touchdown receptions. The Browns were the team that excused Beckham from practice last week when the two sides couldn't really get a deal negotiated. Um, he had asked to be traded and never developed an on-field connection with Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield. And he essentially forced his release last week when his father shared an 11-minute video on social media hours before the trade deadline of plays in which Mayfield didn't pass him the ball. Um, the three-time Pro Bowl selection has 17 catches for 232 yards and zero touchdowns in six games this season. Not really productive. For It's really sad how kind of, he kind of has fallen off. in it Because his first three years of his career, he was balling out. And he, he was unhappy in New York, the New York Giants, because they were losing. Goes to Cleveland. Gets hurt. He hasn't. He hasn't been in the Pro Bowl, All Pro type by receiver in like four years now. So he's not a number one option. Odell Beckham. I think he's great as a number two, but um, Beckham has had 1,035 receiving yards back in 2019, his first year in Cleveland. But he did suffer a season-ending knee injury where he tore his ACL in 2020. He has passed the 1,000-yard receiving mark five times in his career. Um, round safety. John Johnson III um, spent the last four seasons with the Rams, was on a Zoom call with the Cleveland reporters when the news of Beckham's signing broke. He wondered how OBJ will fit in L.A. He stated they had a good thing going, like a complete offense. I don't know. I just feel like from being in L.A., I know for a fact the offense runs through Cooper Cup, even in the run game, the pass game, the screen game. It kind of runs through Cooper Cup. So obviously Odell's a big name, and he's going to want that attention as well. It will be interesting, he stated. Um, Coach McVay, Sean McVay, He's one of the best doing it. He'll find a way to get it done. But right off the bat, I really wouldn't want to go there if I were him. But we'll see how it goes, and I wish him the best. The Rams have been pretty good at managing the Eagles and needs of their elite players. Um, cornerback Dylan Ramsey was considered a potential locker room problem when he forced his way out of Jacksonville a few years back. But he has been a model citizen and a clear leader as one of the best defensive players in the league and one of the best players on the Rams. He is their clear leader on the defensive end along with Aaron Donald since arriving in Los Angeles in 2019. Um, the Rams um, are 7-2. and two. They played the 49ers, who are 3-5. and five. 
on Monday night on Monday night football. So this is gonna I can't wait. The Rams have been really stacking the deck. They if they don't win the Super Bowl, it's gonna Matthew Stafford, the only thing I have questions about the Rams winning the Super Bowl, Matthew Stafford has been in NFL Siberia pretty much his whole career until this year and when he was on the Detroit Lions. He hasn't really played in much big games throughout his career. Can he step up to the plate? Can he be the one to deliver in pressure moments when your team needs a touchdown, a first down, and those pressure moments in the playoffs when you're going against elite defenses? It's going to be crazy. And can that defense come up big? Because I've seen him choking the pass in the playoffs. Can Aaron Donald be that force in the playoffs? We'll have to see. But um, Odell Beckham, you're, in, you're on a winning team now. I don't want to hear no more complaining. You're on a legit contending team. This is a way better team than when, when you were on the Giants and a way better team than even going to the Browns. This team has a chance to really win the Super Bowl. And this is your chance to really make an impact on them. Don't come in and try to be the guy. Try to carve out your role and try to be the best you could be in that role. And Odell Beckham, some people hate you, some people like you. But, yo, you got talent, man. Like, you could really make an impact if you're on winning. Show the haters. Let's go. Let's do this. So, Odell Beckham... He got his wish. He got out of Cleveland. He wasn't happy playing with Baker Mayfield. Um, he has one. This is so he'll be a free agent after this season. So he needs to prove to teams and the or the Rams or any other NFL team that he still has high value in this league. Cause and that he can still and that he can stay on the field and be productive. That he can stay healthy and be productive. Cause he hasn't really shown that at a high level in a few years. So we want to see that from him. And can he do it on a winning stage on the big stage? That's what we have yet to see. Um, so Adele Beckham is betting on himself one one um, year deal. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens. And I can't wait because the Rams are one of the top favorites to win the Super Bowl this year. Another guy who has a lot of haters and critics in the media, Cam Newton, a guy who's the quarterback, you know you know his name, ladies and gentlemen, um, who was released by the Patriots um, earlier this season so they could start Mac Jones, the rookie quarterback. Cam Newton just signed a deal to rejoin the team that drafted him when he first came to the NFL as a highly tutored number one overall pick in 2011, the Carolina Panthers. Superman is back on Thursday, returning to the team that he led the Super Bowl in in 2015 with a one-year contract. The deal is worth up to $10 million for the remainder of the season, including $4.5 million guaranteed and $1.5 million roster bonus, a source told ESPN's Adam Schefter. Newton's return created a buzz around Carolina's the Carolinas, that cornerback Stephon Gilmore, who grew up in nearby Rocky, South Carolina, and played with Newton the past year and a half in New England, understands better than most. Stating, there's a lot of important people in South Carolina and North Carolina, but Cam Newton's probably right up there at the top two or top one. Newton, who celebrated touchdowns with a signature Superman move for nine seasons with the Panthers, was unavailable for comment Thursday as began testing and meeting with coaches after passing his physical. He expected to address the media. Um... He just he addressed the media yesterday, um, but his presence already was felt around Charlotte and at the stadium. Uh, it's that energy the Panthers hope to harness to possibly make a playoff run as they are last in NFC South right now. They're four and five. If they want to make a playoff run, they got to go on a winning streak. So they have a lot of work to do. Can Kandlewin show that he's still a really good quarterback in this league as he's been dealing with a lot of injuries over the past few seasons and a lot of a lot of backlash from the media and and a lot of people. So, Cam Newton, this is 
It's the guy who won MVP, ladies and gentlemen. And, this, and you know what's a good question? Who has more to prove? Is it Cam Newton or is it Odell Beckham? And I was listening to that debate on, on what's it called, Fox Sports. No, it was on ESPN, I think. I don't remember, but honestly, that's a great question. Who has more to prove, Odell Beckham or Cam Newton? Both guys have dealt with a lot of injuries, um, haven't been that productive in the last couple seasons, and guys who... When they first came to the NFL, were killing, getting all their accolades, and then injuries derailed their careers for like three years, four years. They weren't as productive as they were, and then now they're trying to. They're betting on themselves, get one, getting one-year deals to try to prove that they're still high valuable players in the National Football League. Um, if I had to choose who has more to prove, I think it's Odell Beckham. I mean, Cam Newton has stuff to prove too, but he has at least proven he could get his team to the Super Bowl like he did in 2016. In Super Bowl 50, where they lost to the Broncos, but led by Peyton Manning and Von Miller. And he also has won an MVP in this league. Odell Beckham has never reached those type of heights. So I think Odell Beckham has more to prove than Cam Newton. So that's I think I think that was a really great question. I, I just wanted to bring that up. So the Panthers, who selected Newton with the first overall pick in the 2011 draft, released him following the 2019 season after he struggled several years with shoulder and foot injuries. Um, they began searching for options. And this is a Panthers team that has lost Sam Darnold after he has suffered a shoulder injury Sunday. That sideline that will sideline him for four to six weeks. Um, Matt Rule said, um, the coach of the Panthers, that that learned the extent of Darnold's injury on Tuesday. He got with Fitterer to look at options with the understanding that P.J. Walker will start Sunday against the Arizona Cardinals, who are 8-1. Um, he stated, quote, after we talked and deliberated, I went back to my office and called Cam. And I asked if he had any interest in coming back to Carolina Panthers. He emphatically said yes. Newton flew to Charlotte on Thursday morning to meet with owner David Tepper and Fitterer to finalize the deal. And Newton's expected to practice Friday. Um, he practiced yesterday because I'm recording this on Saturday. So he practiced yesterday with the team. And Rule is eager to see where he is physically. He stated, quote, a healthy Cam Newton is a special player. We'll just take it day by day. Rule said the plan is for recently acquired Matt Barkley to serve as the backup. Um, to Walker on Sunday, and Newton, who's the 2015 NFL MVP, started 15 games for the Patriots in 2020 before he was released in training camp this year. Um, Newton missed three practices before the season thanks to what the Patriots called the COVID-19 protocol misunderstanding, but Coach Bill Belichick said the quarterback's vaccination status did, did not factor excuse me, into the decision to release him. Um, and he's been, and he said in a YouTube channel video last month that he has been vaccinated since, um, his career statistics were the Panthers and the Patriots. So he played 125 games thus far with the Panthers. Um, good for 232 passing yards per game. Um, 1.7 touchdowns slash interceptions, um, per game and a 55.3 QBR with the Patriots. He had 15 games, 177 passing yards per game. Um, he didn't really. He didn't even average a touchdown per game, which is bad. And he had a thirty nine point four QBR, very very low. That's like below average. So he he really wasn't himself in New England, probably because all the injuries have really like slowed them down. Um, Rules said he feels Panthers can still win now with the league's number two defense and a healthy Christian McCaffrey in the backfield if there is stability at at quarterback. He said, we have a team we feel like can win. We owe it to our players to try to go to win. We owe it to our fans to try to go to win. This, and he also added, this is a disciplined decision. This is an excellent player that is healthy and wants to be here. I'm excited. Um, he last played for Carolina in the second game of the 2019 season before being sidelined after aggravating a Liz Frank injury suffered in the third preseason game. 
man. In nine seasons with Carolina, Newton is the franchise's career leader in passing yards with 29,041, passing touchdowns with 182, and rushing touchdowns with 58. He ranks third with 4,806 rushing yards. According to Elias Sports Borough data, Newton is 959 passing yards and 194 pass rushing yards for becoming the first player in NFL history to reach the 30,000-5,000 club for a single team. Although, Russell Wilson needs just 426 rushing yards to reach the milestone with the Seattle Seahawks. Newton threw for 35 touchdowns and ran for 10 more during his 2015 MVP season when he led Carolina to a 15-1 regular season record, which was the best in the NFL. Can Cam Newton um, find a way to get Carolina to win, to get to the postseason? Can he be Superman once again and prove to the haters that he still got it? Or will he continue to struggle to make accurate throws? Guess his mechanics, people have really questioned his throwing mechanics a lot, which he's not the best thrower, we all know that. Or will he struggle to find open receivers? Will he struggle to get the ball to them? Um, will his declining athleticism hinder him as rushing defenses come toward him? We will have to wait and see as the Carolina Panthers are last in the NFC South, as I state. And I'm going to see who they're playing. Who did they play? Did they play this Sunday? As they play... Oh, the Cardinals tomorrow. So can Cam Newton show to the haters that he still got it or will he crumble under the pressure? I expect him to rise and show people that he's still the man and that he still got it. Let's wish him the best and let's hope he can lead the Carolina Panthers to a playoff run. The NFL top I just want to quickly get into before I just talk about some NFL standings and games coming this weekend. It's Aaron Rodgers um, dropped by Previa Health amid the vaccine controversy. That happened last week after the football celebrity defended his decision to remain unvaccinated and he lied about his um, vaccine status. He tested positive for COVID-19 earlier this week and had been a spokesperson for the health company since 2012. Um, Revia, um, quote, Revia Health remains deeply committed to protecting his patients, staff, providers and communities amidst the COVID-19 pandemic, the company wrote in a statement. This includes encouraging and helping all eligible populations to become vaccinated against COVID-19 to prevent the virus from further significantly impacting lives and livelihoods. Aaron Rodgers, man. And he tried to make it seem like what he's standing up for is comparable to Dr. King, what he was fighting for, which is just ludicrous. And Shannon Sharp was going off on him on Undisputed last week. Oh, oh yeah, it was just insane. And the Packers, they're still playing good football. He had to get he was suspended for two games. They're still on top of the NFC North was at seven and two. Um, like they're by far the best team in the NFC North. But um it's just disappointing to hear that from a guy who is considered one of the biggest figures in all of sports and all of football. So I just want to talk about that real quick. But let's quickly get into some NFL standings. Um AFC East, we got the Bills at five and three at top. But they've been really struggling lately. They have not been looking like the Super Bowl world beater that we thought they were going to be. Um, the Patriots are closely um, coming in close, closing on their heels at 5-4 and four, as Mac Jones and the Patriots and Bill Belichick are finding their winning ways. They have won three straight games. Um, AFC West, you got the Chargers at 5-3 and three, and the Raiders at 5-3 and three are both tied with the same record. Um, you got the Chiefs at 5-4, and four, who have won two straight games. They're starting to find a little bit of their mojo. They're not the world-beating offensive team that we saw in the past. But there's, they've been having some ugly offensive games, but they've been still getting the job done and getting wins. They're finally over 500. And the Broncos, surprisingly, are 5-4. and four. They have won two straight games as well. So which is kind of surprising. 
Um, AFC North, you got the Ravens at six and three, um, who lost the other day against the Dolphins. That's a bad loss. I'm sorry, you can't be losing to the Dolphins. That's a bad loss for the Ravens. Steelers are five and three. You got the Browns at five and four. Steelers have won four straight games, so shout out to them. They they finally found their mojo. And then Bengals are five and four after they have lost two straight games thus far. Um, Titans are seven and two. They have won five straight games. Um, without Derrick Henry, though, will that continue? I don't know. Um, they have Adrian Peterson. They signed the former. He's been a seven-time Pro Bowler and on numerous amount of accolades. The former NFL MVP back in 2012. Um, can turn back the clock. Continue to be an impact rusher for the Titans as Derrick Henry will be out for the rest of the season. Um, we'll see. You know, it's still, it's still at least what nine weeks left to go, and hopefully they don't go on a losing streak. Hopefully they continue to win. Like they're they're by far the best team in the AFC South. Um, the next team that comes after them is the Colts, who are four and five. So, and then the Texans are by far one of the worst teams in the NFL at at one and eight, losing eight straight games. So that's the AFC American Football Conference. Now let's go to the NFC side. NFC side, we got the Cowboys top of the NFC East is not even close at six and two. Um, yeah, NFC West. Man, NFC West is not that good this year because it's been injuries to the 49ers and Russell Wilson's been out for the Seahawks. So it's not as front loaded and loaded as we have been accustomed to in the past. But you got the Cardinals at 8 and 1, who are looking like a legit team. Um, can they be a legit Super Bowl contender? Can Colin Murray get him over that hump? I don't know. He's a very small guy. He takes a lot of hits. I feel like that's going to add up over time. Um, Rams are 7 and 2. Um, they just continue to add more talent, like we stated earlier in the podcast. They got Odell Beckham Jr. now as another wide receiver target and threat in the passing game. And you got Von Miller, who's another defensive rusher, who's going to distract the offensive line. And then you got Aaron Donald there, too. Oh, my God. And then you got Jalen Ramsey in the backfield guarding the best wide receivers. That's going to be dangerous. And Von Miller's going to help out on both ends. Oh, man, he's going to help Jalen Ramsey out, carving the best receivers in the game, and help Aaron Donald out in rushing a, a quarterback sometimes. So that's going to be one hell of a defense. They they already were one, ready were the best defense arguably in the NFL. They just continue. They just got better. NFC North, the Packers, like I said, are far and away the best team in the NFC North. And then NFC South, we got the Buccaneers who are six and two, and then Saints who sadly lost Jameis Winston, who was playing the best football of, arguably of his career. But a torn ACL and torn MCL, I think, or meniscus. Like he is brutal. He's out for the rest of the season. So, yeah, those are some NFL standings for y'all. And then some games coming tomorrow. So the Dolphins beat the Ravens 22 to 10. I'm now recording this on Monday as we have seen the results of the Sunday games. Just so I can update you guys on the scores and what went on in the league. There was a lot of blowouts yesterday, ladies and gentlemen, in the NFL. So the so the Saints lost to the Titans 23 to 21 as the Titans now improved to 8 and 2. And then they are sitting really well up in their conference. I forgot what conference they're in. Uh but they they're definitely up there among the top teams in the in the NFL. Um I think the Titans are they're yeah, AFC South. They they're far and away the best team in the AFC South. Um Bills obliterated the Jets 45 to 17 like they should um cuz the Jets are not they're one of the worst teams in the league. Bills are now six and three. They've been really struggling lately. Um, Josh Allen had three hundred sixty-six yards for two touchdowns, through one interception on twenty-one of twenty-eight completions. Um, Stephon Diggs had eight receptions for one hundred sixty-two yards on one touchdown. 
And the Jets side, Zach Wilson still out with an injury. Um, Mike White, <laughs> man, he 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 got he got obliterated. He got destroyed, man. 24, 44 completions. He had no touchdowns, and he threw four interceptions. Holy moly. That is that Bills defense is no joke. And they really put the pressure on Mike White and the Jets offense. Um, the Bills had 489 total yards to the Jets, 366. Um, the Bills had 350 passing yards to the Jets, 296. Third down efficiency, the Bills were 4 of 7. The Jets were 3 of 13. Um, they had how many turnovers? The Bills had one fumble and one interception. The Jets had four interceptions, all thrown by Mike White, and one fumble. Um, they had nine penalties for that cost them 69 yards, while the Bills had seven penalties that cost them 50 yards. So that that's something you do not want if you're going to win a ball game. And the Jets just continue to sh- turn the ball over and not really take care of the football. Um, it was a tied game yesterday. The Steelers in line, 16-16 to in final overtime, as both teams couldn't come up with a score in overtime to come up with a victory, so end up with a tie. Um, Jaguars and Colts. The Colts won twenty three to seventeen. They now improved to five hundred. They're five and five on the season. Washington football team beat the Buccaneers. A Buccaneers team that has really been struggling. They lost their last two games now, and their defense has not looked the same this season. Um, Tom Brady had two hundred twenty yards for two touchdowns, but threw for two interceptions as well. Um, Washington football team Taylor Heineke was twenty six to thirty two on his completions, two hundred fifty six yards, and threw for a touchdown. But and then um, in the rushing game, Antonio Gibson for the Washington football team had 24 carries and 64 yards and scored two touchdowns for them. Um, and then the stats for the team stats, total yards, Washington football team had 320 total yards to the Buccaneers, 273. Um, they were 11 and 19 on third down efficiency. That defense for the Buccaneers really didn't come up for them, while the Buccaneers were 4 of 10 on third down efficiency. Now, both teams went... Um, 100% of fourth down efficiency, going two for two. Um, the um, Buccaneers had six penalties that cost them 43 yards, while the Washington football team had three that cost them 33 yards. Um, Washington football team was up 16 to six going into the half, and the Buccaneers just really couldn't get like a explosive quarter going to get them ahead. As the Washington football team took the game, um, 29 to 19, they're now three and six on the season, and that's really a bad loss for the um, Buccaneers, who are considered one to be a Super Bowl contender. You lost to one of the worst teams in the league. That's that's just not good. That's not going to get it done, and that's not, good si- that's not a good sign. The Buccaneers offensively are, as I look at lineups.com, which is one of the best to look at rankings in four major sports. So offensively, they're they're dead last, and they're dead one of the worst um, rushing teams in the league. They're 27th ranked in rushing yards per game and rushed their 31st second to last in rushing yards attempted and then defensively let's look at defensively where they rank defensively they're 29th in pass yards uh, attempted which is god awful and 29th in pass completion so they allowed a lot of yards in the passing game along with 26 in passing touchdowns so they allowed too much um, teams to get their passing game going and ended up scoring in the end zone. So they have really dropped in that um, part of the defensive rankings this season. Post the last season when they were, I think last season, let me see where they were ranked. 
last season, the Buccaneers, they were ranked 20th in pass touchdowns, which isn't like the greatest, but they weren't as bad as they were as they are this season. And then last year, they were bad too in pass completions and pass attempts. Um, Last year, they were what, 31st again, and then 29th in pass attempts. So they were still just as bad last season. So that's not that's not good if you're the Buccaneers when you're trying to defend your Super Bowl title. Um, the Patriots destroyed the Browns, forty-five to seven. Breaking Mayfield though, he went out with an injury, so we got to put that in the context. But the England Patriots led by twenty-four to seven going into halftime and continued to put it on their assault, scoring twenty-one more points in the second half. Mac Jones had. 19 or 23 completions. <clears throat> I don't know what's happened to my voice. <laughs> 198 yards for three touchdowns without any interceptions. Ramondre Stevenson rushed for 20 carries, 100 yards on two touchdowns. Um, Kendrick Bourne had four receptions on 98 yards and a touchdown. And then Jacoby Myers had four receptions for 49 yards and a touchdown as well. Um, he also had Hunter Henry, who had four receptions on 37 yards and two touchdowns. The Patriots had 452 total yards to the Browns, 217. Um, they were 7-9 on third down efficiency, while the Browns were 1-11. of 11. Um, Both teams had six penalties. It cost the Browns 42 yards, but the Patriots cost them 46 yards. Um, and then the Browns allowed five sacks, while the Patriots only allowed two. Um, um, they were also without their best running backs um, in Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb for the um, round. So that's why their offense really struggled. So that's the reason why they went, They only scored seven points. Um, the Panthers beat the Cardinals and Cam Newton's return, 34-10. to 10. Cam Newton had three or four completions on eight yards and rushed for a touchdown. Um, so he was really the storyline of the game, but he didn't. He wasn't that productive. Um, the Panthers now proved to 5-5 five and five as of a 500 record. They now have a chance to continue they continue to win games, really push for a playoff spot in a wild card game. While the Cardinals fall to 8 2 now. Kyler Murray did not play as he's dealing with a, I think, ankle injury, if I'm not mistaken. And DeAndre Hawkins is out with a hamstring injury. So they now fall to 8 2. Um, I think the Cardinals, they are. They're still far. I think they're still ahead in the. Yeah, they're still ahead, eight and two. But the Rams are coming on their heels. If the Rams won tonight. Both teams are eight and two, and at a NFC West conference, it's it's really a race between those two teams right there, with the Cardinals and the Los Angeles Rams who play tonight. They play the Forty ers who are really struggling with injuries themselves. Really been banged up, and there should be an easy win for them. And they they have so much talent on that team. It's crazy. So the Vikings beat the Chargers twenty seven to twenty. Um, Vikings went behind Kirk Cousins, 294 yards, two touchdowns on 25-37 completions. Dalvin Cook had 24 carries for 94 yards and a touchdown. Justin Jefferson had nine receptions for 143 yards. Um, Tyler Conklin for the, um, what's his name? Tight end for the, or wide receiver for the Vikings had a touchdown as well. And then going to the Chargers side. Chargers have struggled lately and are now 5-4 and four after having a hot start to the season. Justin Herbert had just 194 yards, one touchdown and one interception. 
Um, they've really been struggling, the Chargers. Chargers, let's see where they rank. I think their defense has been, like, really bad. The Chargers, ladies and gentlemen. So the Chargers, yeah, Chargers are not that. Defensively, they're terrible. They're 25th and, hold up, what's this mean? I think F, I don't know what F points means on lineups.com. Um, but they're, they allow, wait, what? They're 27th in sacks and defensively. So they, they're not really good at pressuring the quarterback of the opposing team. They're dead last in rushing yards. They're the worst um, rushing yard um, running defense in the entire National Football League. They're 31st in rushing attempts, which makes sense. They're 29th in rushing touchdowns. They're, they're not good at protecting the run, at stopping the run at all, period. And that's probably why they're one of the worst teams. They're, they've been having this slide lately. They're 30th in third down percentage. Like on defense, they, they allowed the team to continue to get first downs and not stop it and force the fourth down and force them to punt so they could gain possession of the ball. So their defense has really been letting them down. And that's why I feel like they've been having this slide lately. Now let's go to their offense. Let's see how their offense is doing. So their offense, where are they? They're ranked. Where are they? So their offense, they're like, their offense is near the top of the league. They're ninth. But the one thing they're not really good at is in the running game. They don't really run the ball that much. They're 27th in rushing attempts, which is not really good. Um, They're like in the middle of the pack in scoring in the league at 16 and then yards at 16. They're 13th in red zone touchdown percentage, 14th in first downs, 14th in interceptions. So they don't really take the care of the ball that much. They're in the middle of the pack as well in terms of turnovers. So they needed, if they want to continue to win games and um, continue to establish themselves among the elite teams in the league, they need to stop turning the ball over so much. And their defense has to do a better job protecting the run because they're not doing a good job at that. So going to the Packers now, shut out the Seahawks 17 to nothing as the Packers improved to 8 and 2 while the Seahawks dropped to 3 and 6. Russell Wilson returned from his injury. Um, he had two interceptions. Two bad throws that cost him the game, as he pointed out in the postgame press conference. Um, 20 of 40 completions, 161 yards. Aaron Rodgers returned as well. He threw for 292 yards, but no touchdowns on one interception. Um, A.J. Dillon had 21 carries for 66 yards for the Packers and two touchdowns. While the Packers won 17 to nothing. So two quarterbacks returned. Two of the best quarterbacks, some of the best quarterbacks in the league returned. But they didn't have their best games. But the Packers, their running back really came through for them. The Eagles win over the Broncos, 30 to 13. And then the last Sunday night football game, Raiders and um, Chiefs. Chiefs um, demolished the um, Raiders, 41 to 14. As the Chiefs now improved to six and four, or the Raiders dropped to five and four. And I think the Chiefs are now among. They're now at the top of the AFC West. As they now they have that win over the Raiders, while the Chargers dropped their game yes um yesterday. The Chiefs are now six and four. They look like they're continuing to gain momentum as they won their third straight game. Um, and the Chargers and the Raiders are dropping in the standings. The AFC East, you got the Bills, 6-3. and three. Patriots, 6-4. and four, As the Patriots have now won their fourth straight game, as I'm recording this on Monday morning after the results of the Sunday games. AFC North, you got the Ravens, 6-3. and three. Um, Steelers are 5-3 and three and tied with one game. Um, Bengals are five and four, and AFC North are five and five with the Browns. 
And then the AFC South, you got the Titans, so had where they had an eight and two. And then the NFC, you have the um the Cowboys seven and two. Uh, I think they had a bye week this week. Um they're far and away the best team in the NFC East. Um NFC West I already said Cardinals and Rams are among the best. The Rams have a chance to tie the um Cardinals record at eight and two if they come up with a dub tonight against the 49ers. Packers are far and away the best team in the NFC North at eight and two. And then this NFC South with the Buccaneers losing two straight games. Um the Saints aren't helping themselves either. They lost two straight as well. They're five and four, while the Buccaneers are six and three, and the Panthers are five and five. If they could go on a little win streak, they could um really come up maybe and to grab the second spot from the Saints in the NFC South. I don't expect the Buccaneers to continue losing. Patrick Mahomes, though, in the Chiefs game was magnificent. He sh- he really showed us the Patrick Mahomes we've all been accustomed to over the years. Threw for 406 yards for five touchdowns with no turnovers on 35-50 completions. He was astounding in that game. Tyreek Hill had seven receptions for 83 yards and two touchdowns. Um, Brian Byron Pringle for the Chiefs. Uh, had four receptions for 46 yards and a touchdown as well. Um, Noah Gray had a touchdown, the rookie from Duke. All these guys were impactful for the Chiefs' offense and for targets for Patrick Mahomes, who was just amazing in this game. Derek Carr had an interception, threw for two touchdowns, 261 yards on 25 or 35 completions. But the Raiders just couldn't stop the explosive Chiefs' offense, who threw, had 560 total yards in the game to their 299. 422 passing yards allowed by the Raiders, while the Chiefs only allowed 249 for the, um, and then 9 of 15 third down efficiency for the Chiefs. That's amazing. The Raiders were one and nine on third down efficiency. The Chiefs were three of three on fourth down efficiency. They had four penalties on 30 allowed 34 yards, while the Raiders had nine penalties on 68 yards, and they also had a fumble and one interception to Rome. So, those penalties. And they allowed so many passing, like, they allowed so many yards in the passing game for the Chiefs to let the offense get going and let Patrick Mahomes get a get a groove going and momentum that they had no chance winning this game. They broke the game open. Um, the Chiefs were up 17-7 to in the half, going into halftime. But then they just, and then that fourth quarter, the Raiders couldn't, they went scoreless in the fourth quarter just like they did in the first quarter, which definitely blew the game open for the Chiefs, who continued to put on an um, off, like offensive showdown and amazing performance. Um, they scored seven points in the first, 10 in the second, 10 in the third, and 14 in the fourth to destroy the Raiders 41-14. to And then tonight we got the Rams and 49ers. I will be releasing this podcast before that game, though. So these are some of the results for Sunday's action. And as we continue to go, we're now going to be going to week 11, starting Thursday night football on November 18th. We got the Patriots and Falcons at 820. And then next week, we got the Ravens and Bears, Packers, Vikings next Sunday. We got the Colts and Bills, Lions, Browns, Washington football team and Panthers, Texans and Titans, 49ers, Jaguars, Dolphins, Jets, Saints, Eagles, Bengals, Raiders, Cowboys versus the Chiefs next Sunday. That's going to be something. Um, Cardinals and Seahawks with Kyle, hopefully Kyle Murray's back by then. So you'll see the Kyler Murray versus Russell Wilson showdown once again. Um, Steelers, Chargers, and Giants, um, Buccaneers will be Monday night, um, Monday night's action for next week on week 11. 
Coming back from the break, we're going to quickly talk about baseball. Some MLB awards have been awarded. And then I'm going to lastly talk about Gary Bettman. Um, should he be dropped as NHL commissioner? But before that, we'll take a quick break. Fact is, every insurance company hopes you drive safely. But Allstate actually helps you drive safely with DriveWise. It lets you know when you go too fast and brake too hard. With feedback to help you drive safer, giving you the power to actually lower your cost. Unfortunately, you can't do anything about that. Now that you know the truth, are you in good hands? Tasha, did you know Geico could save you hundreds on car insurance and a whole lot more? So what are you waiting for? Hip-hop group tag team to help you plan dessert? Aw, uh, French vanilla, Rocky Road, chocolate, peanut butter, cookie dough. Scoop, there it is. Scoop, there it is. Scoop, there it is. Scoop, there it is. Scoop, shakalaka, 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 scoop, shakalaka, 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 Geico, switch today and see all the ways you could save. If you like this video, be sure and share it with your friends. And if you'd like to see more Geico Brilliance, hit the subscribe button. Scoop, there it is. So just quickly again to some MLB awards that have been announced. Um, Bryce Harper and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. take home the 2021 Hank Aaron Award. The Phillies outfielder Bryce Harper and Blue Jays first baseman Vlad Guerrero Jr. were announced Tuesday night as the recipients of the 2021 Hank Aaron Award for the National and American League. Harper is now a two-time winner, having also won the award back in 2015. And the Brace Freddie Freeman won the award in 2020 and was a finalist again um, this season. Hank Aaron Award is awarded annually to the best offensive performer in each league. The award was introduced in, 20, in 2019 and 1999 to mark the 25th anniversary of Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's all-time home record. Winners are determined by a panel of Hall of Famers along with fan voting. Um, National League finalists were Fernando Titus Jr., Juan Soto for the National League, Paul Goldsmith, um, Brandon Crawford, and Nick Castellanos as well for the National League. And then other finalists for the American League that were behind um, Vlad Guerrero Jr., um, Aaron Judge of the Yankees, Cedric Mullins of the Orioles, Jorge Otani of the Angels, Matt Olson of the Athletics, Salvador Perez of the Royals, Jose Ramirez of the Guardians. Now against Aaron Judge of the Yankees, Aaron Judge added to his collection of hardware, winning his second Louisville Silver Slugger Award, joining Toronto's Tio Oscar Hernandez, and Baltimore Cedric Mullins as the AL East swept the outfield awards for the American League. This is now the third straight season and fourth in five years that the Yankees have had at least one Silver Slugger winner as Judge and Gary Sanchez won in 2017 and DJ Lamatho in 2019 and 2020. Lamejo, Sanchez, and Giancarlo Stanton and Joey Gallo were also nominated this season, but they lost to Marcus Simeon, Salvador Perez, and Shohei Otani. Um, speaking of the Yankees, official, um, unofficial captain and Aaron Judge, um, Aaron Judge has stated that he would like to stay on the Yankees for the remainder of his career. 
says he wants to stay with the Yankees for the next 10 years um, as he reaches free agency after the 2022 season. Um, he expressed his desire to remain a Yankee for life on Thursday, telling Fanatics Live um, that he would like to spend the next 10 years here. Certainly, that's not for life, but he made it clear that he likes his idea of staying with in New York for his entire career. He will be a free agent next year, and I'll be, I'm really interested to see where he will go. Because he, he's a really fascinated talent, but he does get hurt a lot. And his availability is always up in the air in question. You never know when he's going to go down. Um, and it's kind of, because we've never seen anything like him. He's like, what, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, 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 280 pounds, moving like he can move, playing baseball. Most of those guys usually play basketball or football, which is really, really rare for a baseball player. When healthy, he's one of the best hitters in the game. In six seasons with the Yankees, he has his splits are .276, .386, and .554. Career slash line with 158 home runs. He's a three-time All-Star and two-time Silver Slugger winner. He'll be 30 by the time he hits free agency, and that could affect his the Yankees' decision to sign him to a long-term deal. Um, early indications suggest age won't be an issue as the Yankees general manager Brian Cashman poorly dropped hints at the GM meetings that the team is willing to discuss a long-term deal with Judge. The two sides will have all offseason and all next season to come to an agreement before Judge hits the open market. Um, the Yankees lost um, in the playoffs this year early. I forgot who they lost to. Uh, I think I think it was the Atlanta Braves that they lost to. Or something like, or the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, the Boston Red Sox. Um, early in the wild card round, I believe. And Aaron Judge, the fact that he's getting older. The Yankees haven't won the World Series since 2009. Can he help get them over the hump to win a championship, their first championship? And what? Next year will make 13 years since they won. <sighs> so we'll see what happens with Aaron Judge. Can the Yankees come to an agreement? And will he eventually stay his whole career in New York? That's the question. We'll have to wait and see. And then the last thing I want to talk about, ladies and gentlemen, is Gary Bettman, NHL commissioner. Is it time for him to move on? Um, I was looking at an article from YahooSports.com. So in an interview with TSN's Rick Westhead, the mother of John Doe, too, blasted Gary Bettman after um, he said he needed all the facts before reviewing the case of the Blackhawks sexual assault scandal. Um. This is this is something that's very concerning when you're the commissioner. Um, the Zone Time crew asked if it's time for the NHL commissioner to step aside after three decades in the role to allow the league to reset its culture in that midst of the Blackhawks sexual assault scandal. Um, Gary Bettman. Um, we don't. I don't really know much about the guy. I don't really watch hockey that much, if not at all. Um, but when you're a commissioner of the league, you got to put a stamp. And you got to put your foot down and send the message to the league and to the team that, that the sexual assault scandal, that we're not going to tolerate this. We're not going to let this happen. And this is something that's unacceptable in real life, in general, but also not gonna, it's not going to happen on our watch and in the league. you got to put your foot down and be like, no, you're not going to do this. This is never going to happen again. And if any team tries to do this again, there will be consequences. So if I'm, I see why. Um, they have an article that is it time for Gary Bettman to move on after 30 years in office? Who knows? But um, I, I don't expect him to go anywhere as NHL. I haven't really heard much rumors and stuff like that of a new commissioner on the rise that could probably take his place. But um, we'll see what happens with Gary Bettman and what will happen 
with the Blackhawks scandal as we continue to go further and continue to investigate the details of the scandal. Well, that's going to do it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, this was a loaded episode, like I said in the beginning. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, there was just so much to talk about. I didn't even get to get into Novak Djokovic, which is okay. It's already, it already happened like a week ago or so. I, I covered it in my in my website in an article. So that's why I kind of like having a website and podcast where if I don't talk about it in the podcast, I can write about it. Or if I don't write about it, I could cover it in the podcast. That's why I could cover more stuff. So if you guys um, want to check that out, I'll leave a link to it um, in, in my podcast description. So you guys can click the link and check it out. But um, yeah, um, we covered a lot of stuff in this episode. I'm going to delve to the Rams, Paige Becker signing an NIL deal, um, NBA stuff, some baseball awards and stuff like that. So, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, it hosts DJ Hamilton, and I'll see you all next time.